System dialogue. Resume recording. It's recording yet. Oh, there you go. You know a dream is like a river Ever changing as it flows And a dreamer's just a vessel That must follow where it goes Trying to learn from what's behind And never knowing what's in store Makes each day a constant battle uh, just to stay between the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Maxwell Ivy, known around the world as the Blind Blogger, and this is another episode of What's Your Excuse? Where you can find at theblindblogger.net, and I'm going to bring you interviews with people who can help you explode those excuses that are holding you back. I'll bring you interviews with people who have uh, overcome adversity or thrived in spite of difficult life circumstances. Uh, people who are experts in their field and can offer you actionable advice, um, people who have struck out on their own and started unique businesses, or people I just happen to find interesting or, or inspiring personally. And uh, you can, I hope you will support my sponsor, Jeff Edwards of Create My Voice, who is the one responsible for getting me uh, my blog and my podcast on Alexa and Google and helping me create a voice brand strategy. You can say, Alexa, play Create My Voice, or Google Talk to Create My Voice, or just the old-fashioned way of createmyvoice.com. And really, at this time, it's just like 10 years ago in the early days of the dot-com. If you don't claim your name, somebody else will. And he can help you with that. So today, I'm very lucky. I've got a, a wonderful business coach with me. His name, his name is uh, Nick. We call him Coach Nick, or he does. Uh, you can find him at proadvisorcoach.com. He has over 20 years experience in the financial services industry. Uh, four years ago, he started a transition into coaching, which we will ask him about in a little bit here. Uh, he is a Tony Robbins certified coach as well as a certified health coach, which is something else I want to ask about because I totally believe health and, and business and personal success are all wrapped up together. Um, he's originally from London, but he's from Charlotte, North Carolina now, so he may not sound like a Southern boy, but y'all should, should take him to home. Uh, Nick, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, Max. And appreciate the wonderful introduction. That's so cool. And I've got to say, I'm just so impressed. I'm actually more touched by your singing intro. I listened to a, <laughs> the podcast we've listened to so far. I wondered if that was in, in fact live and uh, it sounded like it was. And it's, it's beautiful. Thank you very much for doing that. I love it. It's very cool. Well, I'm a, I'm a no excuses guy. I'm about finding solutions. So if you stink at editing, the next best thing is just to sing it live every time. And thankfully, it's a song I know. It's a song I love. It's a song people haven't gotten tired of, thank goodness. So it's something I continue to do. And it does sound a little different every time, but it's, it's the same song, and it's me. And, I'm, uh, and I appreciate that you took a moment there to tell me that. So I like to start my shows with one question that hopefully will get us off to a good start and just see where things go from there. Um. I know a lot of people during 2008, during the mortgage crisis and our last recession, who they felt the freedom to start something new and they started their own businesses. I also know a lot of people who at, at that same time, they took on a vic victim mentality, they felt trapped and they're still in that place of I lost my home, I lost my job, what am I gonna do? And it seems to me that with Corona, with the way it's affecting our people's lives and the economies, do you have any idea why it is some people take adversity as uh, something that makes them stronger and better. It gives them new ideas and new energy. And some people take adversity and it just destroys them. Great question. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, I don't think about it necessarily in why some people do it differently. I think about because I'm, uh, I don't think there's as much value is into researching the, the reasons for why someone is at a certain place, but more the opportunity for how they want to change and where they want to go to. So I believe that anyone can do anything that they want and therefore has the opportunity to move forward because it's, it's never a question of capability. It's just a question of, of mindset. It comes back to what is it that you really want? What opportunities do you want to take advantage of? Cause there's always opportunities if you want to see them. And, and more specifically, we just do things because we've done them that way before. And, and it's no one's fault. It's a, it's a, it's a case of being in an environment. And it's a case of what you've done previously 
and being acting in your comfort zone where most people spend their time that normally adds to the next place and so there's always an option to make a choice but the default is going to be what you know okay so you're saying that in effect people's response to a financial crisis is no different than someone who grew up in an abusive family trying to trying to put an end to the cycle of abuse in their generation great way to put it it's it's in the times where the environment changes significantly that things are just magnified or amplified it's the same stuff it's yeah. just now it's more more in everyone's mind all right so since we've established somewhat about about why it happens then let's look more about the the how of the people who decide to move forward what are some of the things that they generally fall back on to, to, to help them get through the crisis and start moving and start moving forward again? Yeah, my belief is that it does come down to beliefs and what you think is possible. If, if you're a person, you mentioned Max, the, the victim mentality, if you're a person that focuses on being a victim, that says, why is it always me? This happened to me, therefore I can't do it that belief starts to form identity. So if, to your point, if, if from the 2008 crisis, uh, there are people that are still in a place of believing that that, that was them being a victim and it happened to them, and hey, don't get me wrong, I know there were some very tough times, but you always have a choice. If you're still in that place of being a victim from that time, it's likely that when the next big thing hits, the same thing's gonna happen. And so, there's always an opportunity to take the choice, but if you're going to be along that same lines of that same pattern through that process. All right. Well, if you're, if I follow you that we're amplifying a situation and before I forget to mention this, because uh, us podcasters have been asked to do this by many people online. Um, it's uh, March 25th. I'm recording this from my, my bedroom at my house which is no different than it would be any other week. It just so happens that since the Corona is a thing, I'm mentioning it today. Um, I'm personally uh, physically fine and, and doing well. My family is fine and doing well. My extended family and my church congregation, they're, they're all doing well as far as I know. And we're all taking actions to stay safe. And, uh, and uh, hopefully the rest of the people out there are doing the same. And one of the main reasons why I look forward to doing these interviews is to encourage people who are going through this this trying time and this one hit oh, most of us pretty much out of the blue so yeah. uh what are some of the techniques you personally use because it says in your bio that four years ago you you changed from being in the financial services industry to being a coach and from what i know about most coaches there's probably a story behind that as to why you made that change and some and i'd like to hear about that and then also some of the tools you've used along the way yes sir absolutely and that just to tie back to the questions you asked previously the, the the comfort zone that we normally spend our time in doesn't really exist as much right now uh, and and so we can use it as a tool to be able to change the, the patterns that we have to make new choices because it feels painful to stay where we are. And that's what my biggest, biggest belief about coaching is, is that it allows us to get associated with what we really want and the pain that we're really having now for not getting what we want or moving towards where we are. So if you think about this in terms of perhaps things have happened in your life, Max, or for, for the listeners, perhaps things have happened in their life, what, what have been some times where you said, that's it, enough, I'm making a change. That moment where you, you hit the threshold, where you say, not one more day, not one more minute, that's enough, I'm going to do something about this. And sometimes it could be a bit more subtle than others as well. Right? It's, it's a build, building over time, and it, it's not just a moment, but it's a slow dip your toe in the water because – but sometimes we think about these, these things as being huge. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are moments where it's like, that's it. Kind of like in the movies. That's it. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm out. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to move on to something else. Uh, or sometimes it's more of a slow building. And you, you, read the, you reach the threshold, but it doesn't feel like this big leap because it's just the next step on the journey. And it's kind of like that, that second version for me. 
uh, well, really the, my personal development journey started probably eight or nine years ago where I started to ask myself questions like, well, who do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do when I grow up? <laughs> and I hadn't asked myself that question since someone had asked me that when I was probably, you know, 10 years old. And, even, and then it didn't feel like it was real. And so what, what am I waiting for? How much time do I want to actually waste before I do the thing that I wanted to do? Whatever that was. And so it was a building from, from that point really to, to actually make energy a leap because at some point there is a decision they have to make to make a change, of course. Yeah, well, um, me personally, it took uh, a doctor telling me that if I didn't change my lifestyle that I would probably not be around much longer. And also took on, it also took almost getting thrown out of a motel in Portland, Vaca, Texas for for wetting their sheets and only being allowed to stay after we after we took their linens to the laundry for them. So, uh, but then uh, later on, as I was uh, was working as an equipment broker online, it was much more of a gradual process of, of mm. over two years when people kept encouraging me to share more of my story and 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 uh, finally convinced me that uh, not only did I need to to share my story, but that I would probably be much happier if I spent more time talking about the the experiences of being a bond entrepreneur than trying to sell carnival rides. So I think I've experienced both of what you're describing there. Yeah. So it over about an eight year process. And was there anything specifically about financial services that you didn't like, or was it a family or a health situation that you were wanting to change or all of the above? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. All of the above, none of the above really. It was, uh, look, I'm really grateful for being uh, spending my time in that industry. I learned a lot of stuff. I met a lot of great people and I quite frankly, which wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if I hadn't done that. So I believe all the experiences in our life are there for, for a reason. I believe life happens for us and enables us to get to where we want to be. And for me, I, I started to work in the financial services industry when I left high school. That was all I ever knew. And I did enjoy it. Lo I loved being on a trading floor. I loved the energy of it. After a while, that, that changed the, the, the type of job that I was doing. The better I got at it, the more responsibility I had, the and therefore the, the type of job that I was doing changed. I love the people aspect of it. I love the interaction. But deep down, I knew that I, I, was, I was doing at it. I was doing, that, doing it, playing it like a game. I was playing work to enable me to do things in the other parts of my life. And so the big, the big, and people say, you know, that you, you either live to work or work to live. And so I, I made that decision to try to make that switch. But so when I'm at work and doing things like today, this is working for me, Max. Me having this conversation with you is working, but it's complete pleasure. This is what I want to do. And so it's that difference, that realization that where are you on a, Tuesday afternoon and it's it's Thursday as we talk now but I, I love Tuesdays because Tuesday always seems like a, a day of the week where nothing really happens well that's how I used to think about it it's just like it's not the beginning of the week it's not the middle of the week it's not towards the end of the week it's just Tuesday it's Tuesday afternoon <laughs> for instance but why shouldn't your Tuesday afternoon be absolutely fantastic why shouldn't your Tuesday afternoon be a time where you can be in the zone and flow and, and love what you're doing, even if it's challenging or especially if it's challenging. So I, I want that. That's the really challenge I gave myself. And that's the flip in the, in the thought process that I gave myself is that working how I was working, the goal was always to get out of it, to make enough money or, or get to a place where I didn't have to do it anymore. Why wait? Okay, so you you had the you had the traditional uh, American dream in your head, of which was you go to high school or college, you work for thirty years, and you re retire, and then when you retire, you enjoy your life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you decided to be more of a person who enjoys his work or can find and find joy in his work or challenge in his work every day of the week, um, and as far as what you mentioned about us having a conversation while it is challenging trying to uh trying to be the host of a podcast and trying to ask ask relevant at least somewhat intelligent questions 
this is the most enjoyable thing I do all week. And I've often told people, if it wasn't for the social media and the blog posts that go along with being interviewed or interviewing people, this is all I would do. Unfortunately, with, with every fun thing comes five or six things that I don't enjoy doing and I either have to spend the time or I have to pay somebody else to do for me. But yes, I look forward to these and hmm. I try to schedule these as early in the day as possible because I find that if you have a conversation with a real live human being, no matter where they are in the world, and you don't feel better for it, then you need help, more help than either one of us can do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very topical, I believe, as well, to, to you know, reference that interaction with people. It's in the time where we're not able to go out and do as much physical interaction. I believe that our tools online are so critical and to allow us to do that. And I, I experienced the need for interaction, the need for connectivity, the need for community. Uh, in part of my life when I when I lived in the Philippines because I found that to be very uh, I almost felt like Max it sounds odd to say now but I felt like I was in exile even though I went there to to work for the bank that I was working for to to throw myself into my career and and spend time working out which I love to do I, I wasn't married at the time I didn't know my wife and it was ju just me and I didn't know anyone else there and it just, I was doing the things I wanted to do. So if, I'd, if, I, if you'd asked me, what did you want to do in your life? I, I would say, look, I want to go to work uh, and I want, to, I want to work in a job that continues to move me forward. And at the time it was all about economically. And, and then spend my time when I'm not at work, I want to be w working out uh, and, and, uh, and I want to be learning stuff. I want to just spend my time having fun, working out. And I was doing that. I was miserable. <laughs> because <laughs> my search was for pleasure not for fulfillment and i think that's what you're talking about max is that look, you love the podcast but the reality is that you can't do that all the time and it has to be a balance because it's almost like you have to earn it in fact it's exactly like you have to earn it and because it's not it's, it's like when you when we grow up like we get told as children you have to earn things and and as adults there's a certain part of it, it's like well i'm an adult now i can do what i like but the reality is that if you don't feel like that you've earned something, it won't feel as good. That energy starts to dissipate and it doesn't feel the same way. Yeah, that's a, that's a very, uh, very common uh, approach, especially with coaching. And we use the word in, invest in yourself. Um, yes. And, we talk, and, you know, that's where, that's where people get into conversations with money. And maybe you can talk a little bit about money as a, from the point of view of the coach, as well as the point of view from maybe some of your clients that if you, if you've understood it, but I, uh, I once had, got on a call with a very uh, powerful real estate broker from New York who's a coach. And he said, uh, he said, you know, you're a rarity. I very seldom call people who uh, aren't in a position to hire me. He said, but for some reason your email intrigued me. He said, but I'm going to give you one really good piece of advice. He said, if, you expect to get help from top qualified people. You either have to expect to pay them a lot of money or you have to expect to work your ass off for them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, talk about, I mean, some of the people that are, are listening to this, they are in business or thinking about going into business for themselves and, the, and, and probably more now than ever, you know, what are some of the, some of the things around money, around the whole idea of investment and, and, and pricing. Let's just talk a little bit about that for a minute. Yeah, I, it's a fascinating subject. It's loaded with uh, lots of different beliefs uh, from, from a societal point of view. Uh, people think about these in, in different, money in different ways, and it's always very heavy. Uh, because it's something that's on a lot of people's minds, or has been from a lot for a long time. I think of money as a, a tool, a tool to be able to do the things that you want to do to enable you to grow and then give back to others. And if you think about where it comes from, uh, what, why money exists, uh, back to the uh, days before money was around, it's it's about the the transition of value in a relationship and not, not a transaction 
I'm very careful about the words I'm saying, the transition of the, the value. So what can I do for you? What can I offer you? And then what value would I get in exchange for that? Not because of the value, but because of what I'm offering you, because of the relationship. And so many, many, many people think, look, I'm giving you this, what do I get back? It's like, well, what can I give you? What is it? And now because we have money, it's a very specific physical thing to give. It's a, it becomes about the money. But the money is just the vehicle. It's not the money at all. It's just, what can I give you? What can I give you, Max? And, and reference with the, the quote you just said, it's like for that real estate guy, he said, you need to give me something to work hard for me in order to get, give you the value back that I have. Now that's different in any relationship, but it's always there. Whether that's a relationship with a friend that you've known forever, whether that's a relationship with your spouse, anyone in your family, anyone that you work with, any, any sort of community, that there's always a value exchange. And that's how life works. And we just think about money lots of times. And so for where, where you are as a person, whatever that might be, whether you're starting a brand new business, whether you're making a transition from a career to a business or a different career, or you're doubling down on your business or take, just taking another business on, wherever you might be, it's well, where do you need to best utilize that tool that you have so you can input as much value as possible and then therefore that will come back around to you. It will come back around to you in dollars and cents in actual money, or it might come back around to your relationships that will prove down, down the line to be valuable as well. And so the real simple way that I think about it, which really changed, flipped things around for me, is that what I'm about to do or what I'm considering to do, is this creating an asset for me or is it creating a liability for me? And so this is easy to think of when you think about material things. If I'm going to buy a car, is that an asset of liability? Of course, it's a liability. Am I going to go and invest into myself? Is that an asset or is that a liability? So an interesting concept here is to think about things like experiences. Am I going to go invest and do some traveling to another part of the world to enhance my experience, enhance my mindset, my perspective? Is that an asset or is that a liability? Now, that question, the answer to that question is going to be, different depending on who you are where you are in your life and what you really want but that's the question to ask yeah and i know that you're a big believer in the value of travel so i'm assuming you would see it as an asset my uh, me me personally i used to see all travel as an asset but here lately i've started to realize that in some cases i have taken travel that um had no benefit to me in relationships or in future opportunities um, and that in the future I would probably have made a different decision on on that particular item of travel so you've been to the Philippines what are what are some of the benefits that you get from travel and why you see it as an asset yeah and I don't see it as not as much now as an asset because it, it changes <laughs> so so when when I did a lot of traveling I, I, I don't think I've left the US in probably I've anywhere other than going back to England for a, for a couple of uh, days here and there. I haven't, I haven't gone to a new country for about five or six years. <laughs> so, I, so right now, uh, although it might be an asset, it's not as a valuable, a valuable asset for me. And so I think that's an important point to ask yourself the question because it's not a binary like this. I always think this is an asset. It depends on where you are in your life and what's going on. Uh, and, and when I did do a lot of traveling, it was an asset for me because that was the thing that I had was building that was the thing that I had as an, I saw as an opportunity. I was still searching for what it is I really wanted to go and do. And I didn't have the direction or the, or the, the value of working with a coach at the time. Quite frankly, I didn't even know what coaching was when I was in that place uh, to, to, to have someone to help me. I knew that there was people that were mentors and, and guides in my life, but no, one, no real structure to do that. So for me, I spent a lot of time traveling because it gave me different perspectives. I enjoyed it. And it was also adding value to me. And I think that's a, that's a sweet spot as well. If you can find something that you enjoy doing that also adds value, that also really is legitimately an asset for you, uh, then, then that's a place that you should lean into. So I think it, it changes. But for me, in that, in that time where I did do a lot of traveling, it was about the different perspective that I would get, the different opportunities and the different ways of seeing things uh, is, is super valuable because... You can, you can, we can only work, we only work in our own paradigm or our own parameters. And you can, you can get really good at working in your own parameters. 
And often the example that I'll use is, is sports, because many people like sports. And, you know, here in, here in the U.S., there's a, there's a few big sports. And I, as I think about it, like, well, what if you're playing baseball and baseball is all you know, and you're really good at baseball and you spent a lot of time getting better at it, looking at different people playing baseball, looking at ways of tweaking your games, making these small shifts, which make the difference and getting to the top of your game and doing well at that. But then at some point, someone shows you a basketball game and then you say, wow, I feel completely different of watching basketball for 30 minutes than playing baseball for my entire life. Everything is different. I don't even want to be playing baseball. I want to be playing basketball. And it's those type of shifts that I believe you get from different experiences, different perspectives and paradigms that I found valuable from traveling. The thing that that came out to me during that was how we can decide that the value of something has changed and that our decisions are not binary and they're not permanent. I think a lot of people get hung up on the whole idea of binary and permanence. That it's, you know, if, if you decide now that what you did, what you did each year for the last two or three years was a mistake, then that means that those experience were, experiences had no value, but they did have value. They just don't have as much value now as they did at the time you were experiencing them, if I'm following you correctly. Right. And it's to honor those experiences because you wouldn't have got to the point of deciding that there's something else that's more valuable without going on that journey in the first place. And I imagine there are sometimes we can even decide that something we thought wasn't as valuable to us anymore is now of great value to us again. Absolutely. And, and I believe it just comes down to decision. It's just a decision to say that everything that I do is there is done for a purpose uh, and it's done there to, to help me move forward in my life and will ha- always have value because I just decide it's going to. And now that it's interesting to think about that as well, because there's an element of, well, that you're just making that up. You're just saying it's, it is just because you can. And I would say to that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because we're always making stuff up. If, if I say that, that those experiences weren't valuable, I'm making that up as well. But the question is, what's more helpful? What helps me move towards what I want? And I found it's infinitely more helpful to say that, hey, look, I'm going to take something from that experience. I'm going to decide that it's adding to my life. I'm going to decide that it makes me more, so therefore I can give more. Because when I do that, it allows me to build, allows me to have progress and progress equals happiness. Yeah. And I find that with many leadership coaches and speakers, that the one thing that seems to be at the heart of everything they talk about is the decision, whether it's a decision to be, to see positives or negatives, a decision to, in my case, to find solutions or, or, to, or to find excuses it always comes down to deciding and it once you decide then you have power at least it seems that way absolutely absolutely it's focus on what you can control and decision and choice number one right now you said focus on what you can control and one thing i've talked to people about in the past is sometimes you just have to decide that something is beyond your control at this moment but that's a really hard thing to get people to do. Where, uh, how have you? How have you? How has your luck been at getting people to ignore things they have no control over at this time? Well, first of all, I, I wouldn't uh, call it luck. <laughs> if you, I, I would. Call, I would. Uh, I always have this very funny conversation with my father, who who often says, um, "It's lucky. It's lucky. It's lucky. It's lucky." And, and I, I tease him a little bit and say, "Look, I, look." Luck suggests that you have no part to play here. L- luck by itself is almost, is almost placing uh, everything out of your control. It's saying, look, it's just fortuitous. It's either going to happen or it's not. Uh, and I, I understand that people don't mean that necessarily, but language is so important. 
And so I, I would rather place that back in my control and say, look, what, what's, what have you done about it? Or what, what has been your approach so far and what type of results have you seen? Because, because luck, really, if you think about it, is just preparation meeting opportunity. And, and, and so some of the language patterns that, that we generally use as a society uh, are interesting to me because I think it, de- it depends on what we language use based on what we, what, how empowered we feel to take that. And so when I, when I work with clients or, or talk with people about being in control, it's, it's so easy for people to, as you say, Max, go back to the point of, look, uh, what are you talking about? Of course, it's not in my control. Uh, and, and, and look, I, first things first, you have to align with people. It is difficult. If it was easy, everyone would do it. If, if it was easy, we probably wouldn't have been talking about it. But that's the, the process of life. But where the, the real fulfillment comes in leaning into the things that are difficult. And we do that, we go to those places because it's, it's, we protect ourselves. If we protect ourselves, then uh, we, we are good enough. Uh, if we protect ourselves, then it's not our fault. It's, if we say, look, that's not in my control, I can only focus on the things that I am in control of and do those things, then we're putting ourselves on the hook. So it's, a, it's a protection thing that we have. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's wired into us. It's actually really helpful. In, in situations where, where we're, we're breaking things down to the absolute basics of survival. But for most of the time, we have to just say thank you to that part of ourselves and realize that we, we should only focus on things that are in our control. Because when we do that, we get empowered, we can take action and we move forward. Yeah, you talked about when you take control of things, then you can, you can, you can feel confident, you can feel uh, worthy or deserving. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that. But uh, before I, before you do that, I want to do two things. One, remind people that we're talking with Coach Nick. Uh, he's a, a Tony Robbins trained, certified uh, coach as well as a health coach. And you can find him at ProAdvisorCoach.com. Um, I'm kind of known for my, in my podcast for asking questions that sometimes spring from my own, my own needs. So I'm just going to throw it out there and people can either, people can take, think of me what they want or, or not, but it's something I, I struggle with all the time. And that is, um, you know, I sing, I sing at the beginning of the podcast and lots of people tell me I'm good. Um, I've done a lot of public speaking and everybody applauds and tells me I'm good. Um, as far as my interview, people are always telling me that I'm good, but I have a real problem do, doing more than just saying thank you. I have, a, you know, I really have struggles with believing that I'm as good as all these people are saying I am. And some of it is, you know, the, the, the you know, no longer having the approval of, of my father, who was a big part of my life. But a lot of it, I think, is I have this niggling part in the back of my mind that wonders. Would people be as impressed if it wasn't for the fact that I'm visually impaired? And that sneaks into the back of my mind. I have those conversations with myself and sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes with friends. So uh, make of that what you will and do some coaching for us if that's okay. <laughs> hey, I love this approach, by the way. And, and that's, that's probably why you're so popular, Max, is because you put it out there. It's you. It's you just being authentic. And I think that's so important. And pe- people want to hear those specific examples. Well, I would, I would just, I just t- dial it in a little bit more and say, well, so what? So what if people do actually think that? What if that is the case? Okay. What if that is the case? Um, I really don't know. Um, uh, that's a great question. Anytime, anytime a host asks me a question I don't have an answer to, it's good. Anytime a guest does it, it's, it's, it's good. It's borrow y'all's expression. Um, so if, if that were part of, of why they find me impressive, inspiring, entertaining, whatever, the rational person, the rational part of me would say, well, everybody else has something just like what I have. It just may not be as visible and they may, and I may not notice it from them the way people can notice it from me. That's the rational part. The irrational part is, um, when they figure out when, if, if they, if they knew how how I really was, that you know, a lot of this admiration or whatever would go away. But it's uh, you know, it's one of those things. We we sometimes 
think way too much for our own good. And I'm also, I also find that I'm kind of, I'm kind of a split personality because sometimes I think about this stuff and I talk about it with myself and it's a problem. And then other times I do stuff I've never done before. I have no clue what the hell I'm doing. I have no idea to know whether it should be successful or not, but I just go ahead and do it as if I, as if I know that I'm going to be successful at it without thinking about it. And I've actually used this following expression and some people think it's great. Some people think it's very, very negative. And I like to say, I'm not, on a good day, I'm not smart enough to be, I'm not, on a good day, I'm not smart enough to be scared. <laughs> on my better days, that's who I am. And I, you know, I have to explain that, you know, that it's kind of like the childlike wonder thing. It's like avoiding overwhelm thing. But uh, so, yeah, the rational part of my mind would say, okay, yeah, if, if part of the reason they find me impressive is because I'm visually impaired, then, uh, you know, the same thing could be said for just about everybody out there because most everybody has something. They have some sort of story, some sort of quirk, some sort of back, some sort of baggage, whatever. That's part of who they are and part of their story. That yeah. would be what the rational person would say. What, what would you say? Hey, look, we, 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 you've said there you've just made up a couple of things. You've just made up the fact that maybe people think more of you because you're visually impaired. Maybe maybe people actually are seeing the value from from you. Maybe that's just in just that that's just what they're seeing. Either way, that you're making that up because you can't get in the heads of all of those people anyway. So which one's more helpful for you? And he, and then either way, what would you do differently? My my imagination is that you just continue to do what you do anyway. So what difference would it make? Yeah, that's true. Um, like I say, on my better days, I just put my head down and keep going forward. So. Uh, so yeah, it's not something I think about all the time, but but predictably, if something goes really well and somebody pays especially high praise to me, it's it it is like uh, it's like a it's like one of those feedback loops on a stereo system. It's like, <laughs> it's like Max, you, better, you know, it's, Max, you better set aside time because you're gonna have to have a conversation with yourself here in a little while. You know, it's uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm serious. It, it is the it is um, the the more successful something was, the more effusive somebody's praise is of what I did, the more likely it is to cause me to have self doubts. And I know that's just totally messed up, but you know we're human beings, and as Jimmy Buffett likes to say, we're all flawed individuals. Absolutely, we are, and we're we're all on the journey. You know, it, it's something which was a uh, limiting for me for a long time was uh, a belief that I had that you had to be perfect for a certain level of expertise in order to share what you do. Uh, and if that, you think to think about that, if that was really true, then no one would get any, would get that expertise in the first place because the, the best way that we get expertise is by doing it, by, by getting that experience and so if you've got to get the experience in order to share it, you're never going to get the experience. So I'm recognize the fact that this journey never ends. So it's just about sharing it with people as you go along. Because here's the thing. We tend to not value the value that we have for ourselves as much as other people because we, we are us. And when you're thinking about things, Max, she's like, well, this is just me being me. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, this is, I'm just being me. And so your your in, your intention is great, but the, the the default is usually well. I'm not as valuable as you think I am. It's what are you talking about? It's just me. I, I experienced this recently when I heard people giving their talking about their story, and and for them, for anyone, your story is just your story, and it just feels like that's normal because it's you. But for someone else who comes from a different background. Even if it comes from the same place, it's had different experiences, your, your story is infinitely more interesting and valuable than you're giving yourself credit for because they haven't had that same experience. Here, just to go that one level deeper here, here's how I think about it. It's in, in, in Hollywood or in, in acting or show business, people talk about getting their big break. And I love this metaphor, thinking about this in, 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 in uh, quote-unquote normal life. It, it's to say, it, it kind of presupposes that all that matters is getting the break. 
it doesn't matter whether you've got the talent or the value. It's just the break that makes the difference. Meaning once you're in, you, you're in the community. And this is why having a community is so important. That's why proximity is power. Because as long as you've got a certain level of baseline talent, once you get the break, you get to be on that show, you get that experience, then just by doing it, being an experience to be surrounded by people, you're going to be fine because it's just getting it. Here's where I boil it down to. Max, and this dawned on me a couple of weeks ago because we always talk about what do we need to learn? How do we get good at something? But life, I believe, is not about learning how to play the game. Life is about learning how to get a seat at the table. Because once you get a seat at the table, you can play the game. It doesn't matter how good you are at playing the game. If you can't get a seat at the table, you can't play. That's interesting. So back to earlier in this section, you were you were talking about you you had to believe that you had to be perfect before you could help others. How did that manifest itself in in your life? I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't do anything. It, it would manifest manifest itself like I couldn't share where I, where I was or what I knew, what I thought, because there was always someone to me that knew better, and so they would tell me what the, what the answer was rather than me sharing my perspective. Someone else has been doing this longer, or someone else has a different level of uh, training or a different level of experience elsewhere. So who was I to come and talk about it? And so the shift is the fundamental understanding that everyone is different. My value is different from your value, Max. And I can learn infinite amount of things from you. And I would expect you can learn infinite, uh, infinite amount of things from me because we're not the same person. We never will be. No, and that's true. We both we both will learn from this exchange, and uh, and I tell other podcasters that if if you're doing an interview show and you're not learning some lessons for yourself, then again, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, you're probably too scripted and too uh, and, and too too managed uh, and too stayed to be to be learning the lessons that are out there for you to learn if you're if you're willing to. So. And then I noticed you said a seat at the table. That's an expression we hear a lot in the in the in the HR world, where you know people of with different different races or people women or, or uh, elderly people they talk about having a seat at the table where the decisions are made. And I thought it was interesting you used the poker analogy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking of it like. Uh, going to Vegas to play cards. If if you're the best poker player in the world, then it doesn't matter if you're not playing down. They won't let you play. Sit down, and they won't let you play. And so we're concentrating on getting better at playing poker, but what we should be getting concentrating on is get is getting better at getting an opportunity to sit down. Yeah, and of course in Vegas they have different levels of table. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So it's start. It's and so to follow that analogy, it's just starting where you are. So so wherever you are uh, in your life, in your career, in your business, it's just to continue to know that you have value of where you are. There are going to be people around you which uh, can get value from what you're doing, what you have to share, or what your product and services is, uh, are, or if you're working in a corporate environment, what you bring to what you bring. Um, to, the, to those around you. It's working in that influence, right? Back to that control game, working in your sphere of influence so you can continue to build on that, right? Expand that, get the seat at the next table up, the next table up, or wherever you want to go. Yep, and if I go back to your previous, one of your previous analogies, you can all, you can, at, at any time, you can decide, uh, I'm not happy being at this group of tables, I want to try a different group of tables. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, is that absolutely it. And, and it's just to know that wherever you are, whatever table you're sitting at, it's just part of your journey. And, it, and there's, not, there's not a goal, I believe, to get to just one big table. You're not going to ever get a, a table and say, this is it, I'm now done, I'm going to sit at this table for the rest of my life. Uh, because with, with, that comes, with that focus becomes a a disassociation with where you are right now and, and the value of 
where you are on your journey right now. If you say it's all about just getting to the big table that I really know I want to go to, then you're going to discount that part of the journey that you're on right now. Uh, and so nothing wrong with getting to that big table, but just to know that's going to be part of your journey as well. Because when you get to the big table, no matter how good the big table is, there's always going to be the next step. And it might be an even bigger table, but it might be a different table. But either way, there's always continuation on the journey. The only, the only time when the journey stops is when we're dead. Yeah. And it sounds like you're, you're saying that we need to enjoy every experience along the way because every experience determines the next part of our journey and uh, should, be, should be valued for their part in our story. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's what I believe. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you felt like there are other people who knew more that were better than you, so you wouldn't share your information as a, as a coach. Did that lead to you getting additional coaching certifications? Because I noticed a lot of coaches seem to, to continually add certification on top of certification. I know some <laughs> of that is just continuing education, but I wonder if some of that is also just feeling like, if I get one more certification, then I'll feel good enough. Right. <laughs> well, there's, there's a couple of ways, and everyone's going to be individual in this. But for me, I love this subject matter, as you can probably tell. We wouldn't be having this conversation anyway. So anytime I can get more information, uh, more education, more perspectives, I'm always, my, I'm always open to doing that. But you're, you're, I think what you're saying is, Max, is there can be a way of uh, distracting yourself by getting more certifications and whatever your chosen field is, uh, which stops you from actually doing the work that you want to do. Well, I'll just get this. I'll just get that. I'll just get that. And if you think from a coaching perspective, that's what we see a lot from clients is saying, well, I won't, I'm not going to do that just yet. I'm not quite ready. I'm, I'm not ready to start the journey yet. If you're not even ready to start the journey, <laughs> then, you, then you can't learn. So that, that's the biggest thing for me. It's, you need to go. You need to start. You need to have the hunger to associate yourself to the fact that time is not going to wait for you to start wherever you want to start. If you started a year ago to doing what you want to really do the most, think how much f further you would have got along. Because ultimately, it's the experience in our life which adds to our depth and our value and, our, and authenticity until you actually start doing something and actually sharing the value, you're not going to get any value back, not in the depth that's really available anyway. Yeah, uh, I've run into podcasters and I think I mentioned that before we started recording. They're always saying, if I just buy one more piece of equipment, if I take the course and learn how to edit, um, if, if, uh, if, I, uh, if I practice enough and rehearse enough, I'll get to the point where I can record and actually post my first episode. And uh, I have to talk to them about how that those, those early episodes are part of your story and will probably do more to attract your audience than if you show up three months down the road with with some polished episodes now because most people would never most people are never are not capable of doing it that way in the first place are they well, well exactly it's, the, it's, the, it's it's record 500 episodes and then let's worry about how good they are yeah is that that's the that's the mentality that i believe to be true it's because here's here's what i do believe that the supports that overall is that anything that you do enough you'll get good at uh, do I believe that certain people have a, are predisposed to be better at certain things? I do. And, and when you can pull those things together, it's a sweet spot. But ultimately, if you follow something that you're, you have some passion for or already create something that you have a passion for, then you'll get good at it by default because you'll do it with a lot of it and you'll do it with intensity. You can't help get better at it. Back to the sports analogy. If you don't like baseball – uh, and you, you, you said you're going to get good at it. If you don't like it, it's likely that you're not going to show up for training. And when you do show up for training, you're not going to be intense about it. But if you love basketball, it doesn't matter if you're five foot tall. If you show up and do four hours of training every day, you do it to an intense level. When you do that for two years, you're going to be really good at basketball. That's it. Yep. Spud Webb and Tyrone, Mugsy, Tyrone Muggsy Bowes. 
two names from the eighties you probably don't don't recognize. Um, I personally, I wish I had the mental discipline of my uncle, who's a marathon runner, even though he's in his eighties. Fantastic! Wow, yeah. And I know that that's not just the physical because he's one of those people he can decide he's going to do something and how he's going to do it, and he will start the process and not deviate from his plan unless you know something unforeseen forces him to. But I mean, he is just has the mental toughness and uh, I often think that that was something trained into him when he was in the Marines before he went into, into private life. But you know, I wish I had his mental discipline. You know, I, oh. I have mm. mental toughness, but not discipline. Mm. I, I love that, that example. Thank you for sharing that so much because I believe it comes down to the identity that he has for himself. And maybe it was in the Marines that he learned that, going through that experience and, and, and being able to perform as a Marine let, led him to believe that his identity is that I can do whatever it is that I want to do if I put my mind to it. Now that I'm making those words up, I'm sure that he has his own version of that, but that identity that he has for himself allows him just to apply it to anything he wants. So it doesn't matter what it is. He has a belief and an identity which says I can do it. I can do it. And then I hear what you said, Max, I wish I had that mental discipline. And, and my, 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 my coaching brain goes off and, and makes me want to ask a question. Look, well, first we'll say, I believe you absolutely can, is are you committed to doing it? Do you want to start the practice and the process of doing that? Because it's available if you want it, if you really want it. If you don't, then that's fine. But my belief is that it's there. Yeah, yeah that's my problem. I don't really want it. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going, to, we're going to talk a little coaching here. One of the things most coaches will, will address early on with somebody is something called systems. That means you put into place a way to do things so that you don't have to do them brand new every time you need to do them. I am definitely not a system person. I fight them kicking and screaming. Um, it took me over a year to finally get a scheduling program so people could schedule podcast interviews with me instead of sending like eight or 10 or 12 back and forth emails until <laughs> the time. And, and then um, the time I'd write it down on a, I'd write it down in an actual text file because I didn't want to use a, one of the calendars on my computer or my phone to keep track of when I had to, to speak with people. So it took me a year to get there. So I'm not, a, I'm not a systems person. I don't like them. I'm starting to accept them more and more as my mind is as, as sharp as it used to be before I had a computer. Um, I, my memory was much better before then, mainly because it had to be, but that's a whole other issue. But yeah, I don't, <laughs> really, I don't really want to be disciplined. So I don't, and of course you can tell that by my interview style. Um, if I ever send a guest a list of 10 questions I plan on asking him or her, they should you know, call the cops or the mental health officials or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it, and that's exactly why you don't have it is because you don't want it. You don't do those things, and it, it makes sense. Like, one of the the first places that I always start, and uh, we have some amazing tools at Provisor Coach for this, is to start on that awareness. And just the fact that you know that about you, Max, gives you so much more power than someone who doesn't know that about themselves. Because we we want to work and maximize the things that we want, and we want to manage the things that we don't we don't want or we don't have a preference for. Uh, and so working within our sweet spots is really, I find, a, about the quality of our life. You know that you get the well, I can, correct me if I'm wrong, what I know about you is that you get in the joy about the relationship, the experience, just the fact that we can go, go anywhere and see where it takes us. That's a, that's a place where you find, find joy and fulfillment. And perhaps the structure of setting up the admin stuff behind what you do isn't a place where you want to spend time. It's well, okay, there you have the awareness of that. Fantastic, because now you can do something about it. And maybe that means leaning into that part to set it up so then you can remove it. And, and that's what I find so, so fascinating for people to do because it's that, it starts with that awareness because without that, you definitely can't do anything about it because you can't see it. Well, you know, when I talk to other coaches about this, they, the, the, the vibe I get back from them is that this is a horrible this is a horrible personal flaw that basically will keep me from being from from being successful unless I fix it. So I'm actually encouraged to hear you give that particular answer. That, that it's that knowing who I am and, and things that I enjoy and don't enjoy actually give me power and make me 
stronger and more likely to, to accomplish what I want. I like that. Absolutely. Coach. I mean, beyond Adrian Smith, my blogging mama, you just became my favorite coach. Okay. So. <laughs> Well, that means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, mean, I know we're over time, but let me speak to that a minute because there are, it does seem to be that uh, there's, maybe it's the coaching training, maybe it's the, the business training for coaches. It does seem to me that more coaches find weaknesses than find strengths like you just did. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, look, there's, there's a lot, a lot of good coaches out there and so there's a lot of opportunity to work with a lot of different people and there's, there's and, and, you know, as I believe everyone has their own, uh, only intrinsic value, right? No one else is the same as anyone else. So there's always value to, to bring. And I think that there's, there's opportunity looking at things both ways as default. I'm a possibility person. So my brain immediately goes to, well, how great is that? What's great about this? Uh, and, and so <laughs> I find that helpful because we can only build on success. Uh, I, I, uh, me and my wife have a three and a half year old daughter and we're working and she goes to Montessori school and we're working on with her uh, positive discipline and the, the, one of the fundamental premises of that and by the way I always joke and I say Montessori is just coaching for children or coaching is Montessori for, for adults <laughs> I, just recently, I just recently learned how, how, how big a thing Montessori is from a question on Jeopardy so <laughs> I love it it's, I think it's fabulous it's uh, uh, just just knowing that the that ultimately hu small humans have the capability of knowing how they can learn best on their own you know it's, it, that's what the fundamental part of it is and and from a uh, the, the 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 premise of positive discipline is that look it, people that children don't want to be uh you can't expect children to do better if you've just told them what they've done wrong and it's the same thing with adults people don't want to be made wrong People want to want you to align with them so they can improve. Everyone wants to do better. And that's evident because it comes from children as well. They don't have that conditioning in them, but they inherently want to be happy, inherently want to do better. And adults are just big kids. And so it's the same thing for me. I believe that possibility is saying, look, once you, once you can get good with it and feel empowered, then there's more, there's more chance you're going to do something about it. Well, it's interesting you say that adults are just big children because my dad used to say that, that a, an adult or a grown-up is just a kid that's over 48 inches tall. There you go. Because we used to operate a carnival, and if you weren't at least 48 inches tall, you couldn't ride the ferris wheel. <laughs> right. So, you know, well, uh, all right, so I've really enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate you um, taking some of, my, some of my personal questions and, and leaning into my authenticity as a host. Um, so before we finish here, what is, I know there has to be more than one thing, but if there's only one thing you could tell people to remember from today, what would it be? Oh, that's a fantastic question. I love that question. It's so good. Uh, right now, what's been on my mind the most and uh, is, is comfort zone and, and knowing where you are. It's a real good time to ask yourself, what is it that you really want out of your life? not what you think you can get to right now or think what's available for you right now, but what is it that you really want? Especially in the time we are at right now, ask yourself those big questions. I love it when coaches talk about deciding what success looks like for yourself, which is what you yeah. just did there. It's, it's one of the most important messages that people can hear, in my opinion. I'm so glad that was the, was the most important thing you thought that you should mention because it, it's not just, not just low expectations, but overly high expectations if they're not yours. Yes. Well, um, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. What's your excuse? People can find you at, um, at uh, proadvisorcoach.com. And I hope that y'all will visit his website, reach out to him. As I tell people all the time, if you want to thank my, my guests for coming on the show, there's nothing better than putting feet on the ground, butts in the seats, or faces behind the screen. So go over and check out his website. Uh, follow him on social media. If you see something he's working on where you can help him, then, you know, help, help him push. I do appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, and really, uh, it's been a, been a pleasure. 
pleasure has been all my max I, I much appreciate it and thank you for mentioning provisor uh, you which is the company I, i'm I, i'm associated with but you can also go to onemansbalance.com which is the is the site that i have which is to kind of share some of the things that i'm doing and i i've set this up where i have an opportunity so your listeners can can have access to a tool that i use uh, about awareness which actually i mentioned already and they can go uh, at onemansbalance.com forward slash free mind scan mind scan that is so one onemansbalance.com forward slash free mind scan uh, if so if they're interested in that they can go and see a little video and uh, i hope that's valuable all right i appreciate that i love that you're doing that for my audience and i will uh, i will mention that again and i'll get it out on the on the website instead of your uh unless there's like a pro advisor slash nick whatever then i'll put that in there too but I find it interesting, and I have to comment on this, because if I don't, somewhere somewhere, one of my family members will want to slap me for this. Um, <laughs> you, you call it onemansbands.com, right? One man's balance. One man's balance. Okay, I misheard you. My dad used to say that a one-man band doesn't play too loudly for too long. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree. I think there's power in community power in uh, being around people that you want to be around i think that's one of the fundamental reasons why these uh, uh podcasts are so powerful is because when we come together we're more powerful than we are individuals and so i, I absolutely believe, believe in that that if you're if you're playing on your own you're going to run out of steam pretty quick yeah yeah okay well we had another great interview today and Near as I can tell, the fact that I didn't have my headphones doesn't seem to have caused any problems or hasn't been a lot of times where my screener has butted in and tried to talk. Um, although it has been a little fun, a little interesting flying deaf as I just referred to it to, uh, to Coach Nick because um, I'm used to having my headphones. I'm used to being able to hear my screener and know what my computer is doing or not doing and try to fix it when it isn't. So. Now I have to buy another new pair of headphones, darn. Um, and hopefully I can find another pair that don't have some fancy controls on them that I have to be able to see in order to operate. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we will now that my nephew knows what I need in a pair of headphones. And who knows, maybe the people at Audio-Technica that, uh, that I got the, the microphone from a couple of years ago, maybe they'll replace it with a pair of headphones since it's broke anyway. All right, that's all beside the point, but as Nick said, I'm, uh, my authenticity is one of the things that makes me real and relatable. It makes me interesting to y'all. So the kind of stuff I share here, sometimes on purpose, sometimes it just comes out. But we had, did have a great conversation with him. I loved how he talked about deciding, um, deciding whether your comfort zone still suits you, deciding whether, you know, uh, whether you're going to take action and what direction. I uh, loved his explanation of how money is a measure of value and that it's transition, not transaction, and that we can decide whether something has value for us regardless or totally separate from the money. And then based on the value we put in something, what value we want back for it, what value we're willing to exchange for it. And of course, that will definitely come back to money. But uh, at this point, the idea that something can be valuable to you today, but not valuable to you next month or next year, and that's totally okay. It was still a good experience, and it was still a good investment of your time, energy, and money. Or that something you valued over the last few years is no longer as valuable to you based on this, your current situation. As he used the example of how travel is no longer as important to him, not because of travel restrictions, but just because it's where he's at at this point in his life. So he's, he learned a lot from travel back in the day, he values those experiences and the perspectives it gave him. But travel isn't as valuable to him now as it was then. And I think that's one of the things that I get hung up on sometimes is when you make a decision with your money and it turns out to maybe not have been such a great decision, then you have to work to avoid making the decision or the experience seem negative just because it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. And I'm usually pretty good about that. I like that Nick found that or noticed that is that while I have days where I think about stuff way too much, for the most part, I just do it. 
I just keep going forward. I find solutions. I decide there has to be a solution out there. Uh, if I don't know what it is, I decide that somebody I know or somebody they know must know the, must know the answer. I just keep moving forward. Uh, but I also love how you talked about there is no end to the journey that uh, we're always looking for, or maybe we're not looking for it. There's always another table out there, as he put it. And while we don't have to be great at the game, we do want to sit at the table as it relates to our specific goals, uh, our environment, our choices, our relationships. We want to sit or have a seat at the table. So I appreciate him um, coming on the show. I hope that you got as much out of his appearance as I did. And hey, one thing I am known for is asking questions of my guests with a personal interest hoping to find uh, an answer for myself. And you know, I don't always find the answers, but hopefully I get, I ask better questions that maybe help you find those answers. So um, this has been another episode of What's Your Excuse? Um, like I said in the beginning, I do want you to visit my sponsor, Create My Voice, that's Chip and Pam Edwards. Uh, they're also out of North Carolina, coincidentally. Uh, you can find them at createmyvoice.com, or you can say, Alexa, talk, uh, play Create My Voice, or you can say, Google, talk to Create My Voice, or again, the old-fashioned way, createmyvoice.com. And it's not just about getting you on Alexa or Google. It's about creating a total voice branding strategy, uh, an integrated approach that will position you, that will claim your, your branding names on these voice wireless speakers, I tell you, there are more places than you think they are. He sent me a photo the other day of somebody listening to a podcast on their lawn tractor. So you want to be on there, and if you're not on there, you need to talk to Chip. Um, as for me, the one thing I do is I help people get booked on podcasts, radio shows, virtual summits, etc., so they can share their story, reach more people, reach new people, and build their passion, grow their brand. And I just started offering a new service at theblindblogger.net slash eight weeks. That's the number eight weeks, where you're going to get a combination of training to be a good podcast guest, creation of your uh, guest profile, which you'll use for future pitch emails, um, a series of four podcast or radio bookings. And then you'll also get my personal coaching before and after each one of those interviews. I will listen to your interviews, review what you said, how you responded, and will give you feedback based on my experience of over seven years and over 200 podcast interviews. Um, and I will help you by asking you test questions, doing test recordings, and finishing before I start booking you on other podcasts, finishing with an interview on what your experience. That's at theblindblogger.net slash eight weeks, the number eight. I do hope that you'll check it out. Until next time, I do appreciate y'all. I couldn't do this without you. Knowing that y'all are out there supporting me, encouraging me, appreciating what I bring you every, every week is what keeps me going. So thank you and take care out there, especially now. Um, be careful. It's not just you. It's your family. It's your neighbors. It could be anybody in your community or your circle of friends that you can be affecting. So be sure to take care of yourself. All right, until next time. Too many times we stand aside and let the water slip away. What we put off to tomorrow is fine we come today. So don't stand upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. Choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. Centering window. Can cancel. Yes.